Hey everyone, welcome to uh, episode 54 of Versus Media Live. I'm Stephen L. Miller. Uh, I'm on kind of a uh, a mini fall break from the podcast, or if it were John Fetterman, it would be break fall. Um, yeah, but I thought I would still jump on Colin tonight. Just uh, I'm not very good at like not taking time off of working. So uh, instead of the podcast, which I did release a podcast today, and it is open to the public. If you don't feel like subbing, you can find it on my Twitter feed. Um, it's a short one. Uh, it's probably the shortest podcast you'll hear uh, all month. A um, couple of things. I, f- I figure more people would want to talk about what we saw on that debate stage. I had a piece in the New York Post today, and uh, I haven't really linked to it because, as everyone kind of saw, the New York Post was hacked <laughs> by a legendary disgruntled employee. I was thinking about, like, how, would, how does that happen? Does someone just, like, walk into work? And just have enough of shit, like they just have had enough, and they just decide to do that. Like I'm, I'm like wondering, or do they? Is it a new hire, or like how does someone just snap and decide to just like go crazy on the New York Post Twitter feed, knowing full well they're probably going to get caught and fired? Uh, I was just thinking about that. I thought that was just like what, what would have to happen. Uh, it's kind of like it's like t- the Twitter news version of the Sky King, you know. Um, and so, uh, but uh, I thought certainly people would have a reaction to still that debate as people are still talking about it. Um, also today, I thought was interesting of note, Eric Wemple over at the Washington Post did a sort of mea culpa on the uh, controversy with New York Times editor James Bennett from 2020 involving the Tom Cotton op-ed after uh, rioters in D.C. basically set fire to the St. John's Church, amongst other things. Um, Tom Cotton, the New York Times published an op-ed from Tom Cotton's people basically saying send in the troops. Well, this set off an entire motion of events that led to kind of a mini revolt from the very way too online people of the New York Times, uh, including Nicole Hannah-Jones, amongst others, uh, saying that this was a dangerous op-ed, it's going to get people killed, uh, which is their just go-to to to shut people up. And two years too late, uh, the Washington Post and Eric Wemple have come out basically saying James Bennett was right. And if you're unfamiliar with that, James Bennett was the editor on the piece who ended up resigning over the publishing of this, as and it cost two other people their jobs that were kind of on this piece because the newspaper needed to placate their, again, their social justice Twitter staff, basically. And uh, Ben Smith over at Semaphore had a good breakdown about what that was all about. Uh, I would recommend you go read that, set set aside any opinion you have of Ben. Uh, He was behind the scenes when all of that was happening. And he basically talked about how now the New York Times is trying to decide how do you go from being a newspaper to a tech company which is what they're trying to be, essentially. They're, they're getting into podcasting. They're getting into digital uh, content, all of this stuff, and they're getting completely away from print news, which is kind of what you have to do if you want to survive in this day and age. And he had a rundown about James Bennett finally talked to him, and Bennett basically said, there's two things we learned that they, they attached an extensive editor note. One, they changed the headline. Two, they attached an extensive editor's note, and they attributed it to Bennett and Bennett came clean and said, I never wrote that. And he said, I've never apologized for publishing that piece. 
Uh, Barry Weiss noted this today. Barry Weiss was also in that kind of group that got chased out of the Times, as was Don O'Neill, uh, who was the 30-year virus reporter, science and virus reporter, who got chased out over an incident three years prior where he supposedly uh, said the N-word talking to a group of students and was talking about it in context about, you know, how, how is it offensive? If It's obviously offensive if you like shout it at someone, but if you're talking about it in a conversation in context, how is, how is it not allowed? And he was end up forcing to resign over that. Hopefully he's the next one that should get his apology. And um, I want to read a couple of clips. This thing from Eric Wemple, it's interesting because, this is too, as I said, it's two years too late. I don't know if he's trying to impress people. I don't know what's going on. I generally consider Eric Wemple to be generally on the more honest side. But I'm going to read a part of this. And it said, controversy over an op-ed by Senator Tom Cotton consumed the New York Times in June of 2020 and claimed the job of then editorial page James editor James Bennett. Two and a half years later, Bennett has shared some thoughts about that episode and in particular, the role of Times publisher A.G. Salzberger. He set me on fire and threw me in the garbage and used my reverence for the institution against me. Bennett recently told Ben Smith the semaphore, quote, this is why I was so bewildered for so long after I felt like what all of my colleagues treated me like an incompetent fascist. That may sound like the angst of a guy who's still disgruntled at losing his job, and it is for a compelling reason. Bennett is right. He's right about Salzberger. He's right, he's right about the cotton op-ed, and he's right about the lessons that linger from his tumultuous final days at the Times. His outburst in Semaphore furnishes a toehold for reassessing one of the most consequential journalism fights in decades. To date, the lesson from the set to that publishing a senator arguing that federal troops could be deployed against rioters is unacceptable, will forever circumscribe what issues opinion sections are allowed to address. It's also long past time to ask why more people who claim to uphold journalism and free expression, including, um, the Eric Wemple blog didn't speak out then in Bennett's defense. And Eric Wemple goes on to state because we were afraid. And they basically state because they were afraid of Twitter. They were afraid of getting dogpiled. And I would argue that that's why most journalists don't take on sort of the dirtbag left and, and, uh, more so push back against that stuff on Twitter. They don't want to get dogpiled and they don't want to cause uh, rifts in their own newsrooms and they don't want to get caught in the middle of that stuff. The last thing I'll read here real fast, because um, I know obviously there's, you guys have a lot to say. It's the Eric Wimple blog has asked about 30 times staffers whether they still believe they're danger tweets and whether there were any merit in Bennett's retort, not one of them replied with an on-the-record defense. Such was the depth of conviction behind a central argument in the L'Affaire Cotton. And as I stated at the time, the whole point of that was it wasn't to get Tom Cotton to shut up. It was a shot across the bow that any newspaper that publishes even a milquetoast Republican like Tom Cotton – uh, is going to suffer consequences that newspaper op-ed pages should be reserved um, for them and their side of the aisle. And that's ultimately what, to me, that was about. It was just a warning shot to other newspapers. It's like if the LA Times or if the Washington Post publishes, their staffs are going to go up in an uproar and uh, someone's going to get fired out on their can. And that was the whole obvious plan to me behind that. 
Um, I, I don't give Eric Wemple much credit here. This is at the time. It's funny because these are the people who say democracy dies in darkness. And essentially it turned out to be democracy dies in because we're afraid. And again, either you are fire, you are comparing yourself to firefighters running into burning buildings, or you are people who are too afraid of tweets. And it always time after time, after time, after time seems to be the latter. So that was something that just kind of caught my eye today in the uh, the fun world of media. Um, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and uh, any topic on that you guys saw or if you want to comment on, again, this, this cotton op-ed, which you're going to start to see more journalists. Oh, yeah, that's, that was a bad thing that happened. Well, no, you're a fucking coward if you can't speak up at the time. It's that simple. Um, obviously, we're still talking about the debate, the, the Transylvania Senate debate between Oz and Shotgun Frankenstein. And uh, you've seen now kind of the media figure out how they're going to defend what we saw. And they're basically doing it by telling you not to believe your own eyes and ears instead of being told he was fine. Like we were told through July, August, September, up through October, we're now being told that we have to sympathize with him because he's disabled. And any criticism of John Fetterman is ableism. We had his, uh, wife today, Bryda Fetterman, do an interview where she compared Fetterman's condition to being no different than somebody, some people having to adjust the brightness on their phone. Uh, Dasha Burns has still not gotten an apology from Kara Swisher, who has really revealed herself to be just a trite fucking ghoul in this whole situation. And th- this is the kind of thing, again, we'll probably see two years from now. More journalists go, yeah, we should have spoke up for Dasha Burns. Um, But that was essentially the topic of my New York Post op-ed, which was where does Dasha Burns go for her apology? So a lot going on. We'll go pretty much, again, just for an hour. Uh, I'll try to get as many people in as possible. Um, And uh, But I I may have to end up cutting some folks off. But again, um, as always, just a couple of ground rules. Uh, If you're not speaking, just please make sure you mute your microphone. Uh, it just makes it easier for the recording because this is a recorded episode. These do, you can go back and listen to them. Um, and it also just makes it easier for the listener. It also makes it easier for me to concentrate on what everyone's saying. This is a hard job, folks. It's, it's, it's not rocket science and it's not being the head of Twitter, but it's, you know, I have buttons to push. <laughs> um, and then also just, uh, you know, kind of keep it short, keep, keep your thoughts kind of, you know, in line and just know that there's probably other people up behind you and we just have to be considerate of that. So, and I know that doesn't always happen. The, we just kind of take the conversation where it goes, which is kind of the fun in doing this. Um, I'm going to jump back here. Let me see here. I'm going to bump Michael who was third. I'm going to bump Michael up cause it looks like we have a new one. I know I've skipped just saying again, but I'm, I'm going to just keep doing this as a running joke now. Michael, uh, it's first media live. Just tell me what's on your mind with media, politics, culture, whatever uh, is have you. So welcome. Uh, Michael, go ahead. As of right now, I can't hear you. All right. Well, we're off to here. All right. We'll just go in order now. Just saying, welcome. How's it going, Stephen? I hope uh, I hope the pups and the cat are all right. 
And uh, enjoy your time off coming Yeah, out. don't jinx. Don't jinx them. They're all very expensive. Yes, the, the feline has to go back for an eye appointment on Monday, but it's not serious. Um, I had to get him shaved, and he's adjusting to that. And he just looks absolutely fucking retarded and ridiculous. Wow. Um, but, you yeah, need... it's easy. He's having to get adjusted to to looking like a complete dork. I figure for us Patreon uh, cats, you should post photos, but I understand if you don't. Um, I don't really have a lot tonight. You, get, you guys um, got a free podcast today. What are you complaining about? I, I didn't know until this call. I didn't. I didn't remember seeing the alert. Um, I'm sure I'll check it out. Uh, I like to listen. Full disclosure to you, I listen to you in the morning usually. When I'm getting ready for work, you know, when I see a podcast, I was like, okay, cool. You know, I'll just do it tomorrow. But anyway, I don't have a lot. Um, as far as the Fetterman uh, Oz, I did wa- I, I did uh, see the um, uh, Megan Kelly with the uh, Ruthless guys. And she, she made a comment about the thing where she goes, I don't remember a thing Oz said. All I was focused on was Fetterman. And I thought about that and I was like, you know, I mean, I remember watching the debate and I thought he landed a couple blows and I agreed with all your takes that he treated the guy normal. But the thing about me in that debate was that's about what I expected from Fetterman. So I wasn't really surprised. So when I saw everybody else going, oh, my God, uh, could you believe how bad this is? I was like, what did you think it was going to be? I thought it was I thought it was exactly what I expected. It to be. Yeah, people I talked to who know stroke or know. Uh, you know, survivors of that kind of catastrophic health event, which it is, basically said the same thing. And I said that was about, that's about what I expected. I thought it would go slower because he would have to read everything. And I figured, you know, when they say, Mr. Fetterman, you have 30 seconds. I'm like, well, this is going to take five minutes (laughs) because he has to read, you know, as everything's getting typed and then he'll give his answer and he'll, and I thought he would go slower yeah, and I, he sounded like a guilty eight-year-old, and that's that's that he sounded like a kid to me. Like you know, no, I don't know, I don't know what happened to the to the car. I didn't try to drive the car. The car slid out of the driveway on its own, <laughs> and that that's Oz rules. And that's kind of how you know. I, I was surprised at how the pace of it. And people noted, like, one of the things Oz is being accused of now is talking fast on purpose to try and throw off the captioners. And I thought well, there was no evidence of that. But I also thought that's a pretty smart strategy if that's what he did. Um, like, <laughs> like, I mean, just politics is politics. You don't have to like it. But if that's what he did. Um, just recently, is just before I came on here, Manu Raju, who I use as an example, as the guy who, you know, chases people through the halls of Congress, uh, linked to a super PAC ad. And I thought this was funny because I don't know if this person listens to my podcast, but it's an ad exactly saying what I said it should be, which is they're hitting him for, uh, Fetterman on his fracking answer where he says, I've always supported fracking and I don't, and I, I've always supported fracking. And they're now saying what did, was Fetterman confused or is he lying or whatever? And they play clips where he says, I've never supported fracking. So the Manu Raju tries to highlight that they use the word confused. And this is what you're going to see. You're not even allowed to comment that he was confused or disoriented or slow or lying or anything. And that's what they're setting this up for. They're setting it up for any ads that are used post-debate by either Oz or Super PACs 
supporting him, you're not even allowed to highlight his answers during that debate. And as if you listen to my podcast yesterday, I pulled that CBS segment for a reason to show you how they're going to clean this up. Uh, Fetterman today did a town hall and it was virtual. And if you click on and I highlighted the link and I said, why was it virtual? He can't give votes virtually. They're not going to they're not going to wheel the dude out like it's, you know, Max Hedrum. OK, they're not going to wheel a television or hold an iPad up and he's just sitting at home and yay, you know, or nay. Um, although I would argue that might be what they're going to try to do with him where he doesn't even leave his house and that's not going to fly. But um, you're already seeing what they're trying to do. They're trying to say that any criticism of him is ableism, um, which I think the political right should start doing with Greg Abbott. I, I think you saw me and others do that today where Beto <laughs> O'Rourke criticized Greg Abbott. And you go, excuse me, sir, he's in a wheelchair. What, what is this? What is this ableist attack? Because these are the people yeah. trying to tell you that Fetterman's cognitive brain damage is no different than Greg Abbott being in a wheelchair. So if it's no different, you're being ableist. And this is where, this is the box people like Swisher and Molly John Fast and New York Times authors, whatever. This is the box they put themselves in, which is if all you're going to do is compare him to Greg Abbott, why are you not criticizing Beto O'Rourke for going after Greg Abbott then? How is that not ableism? And they have no good answer for it. But that's what you're, that's what you're going to start to see. But I'm kind of with you where... That's pretty much what I expected. I expected him to be a little bit slower, I, um, and I think he probably should have been because that was him, that was him that was him on the captioning service that his people said he needed to have to communicate. I was going to so say that I, was the best Fetterman that we're going to You're get. probably 100 on that, but I would imagine that whatever's going on with his brain, I bet this is a permanent thing. I bet he speeds up all the time, Co- close capture or not. I bet. I bet he has to be told to slow down. I bet because his, because you know he probably in his head he he sees the words he wants to say and and then they you know he's trying to catch up to whatever that sentence is. I made a, a request uh, from you. I don't I don't remember if it was in um, the Patreon where I said can we add his fracking answer to the intro of uh, versus media you know <laughs> somewhere in that amalgam. Yeah, because I know how long it took last. No, time. I just figured you know. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I could probably, I mean, I, the whole point of that new intro yeah. is I threw in a lot of the old clips at the beginning and jumbled them together. And it's kind of like moving on from those and we're into a different era. Um, but he's, just, I mean, he's a politician that to me, a new poll Not according to Schumer. That showed Oz up now 48, 45. So it looks, it, it, it look, yeah, right. I'm yeah. I mean, it's, it's the irony of Schumer not knowing when there's a camera on him is, you know, that's why I'm like, I don't know, like, what's going on here? Um, that's weird that they allowed that to get picked up. But uh, he's saying they don't think it hurt him that much. Sure. Well, that depends on where the internals already were. Um, so there is a poll, and I take polls sometimes with a grain of salt. I'm just like, all right, let's just, you know, I, I read them, but I don't really share a ton of polling, if you notice. Um, and I just say, okay, let's just see what happens, you know. But um, there is a poll that shows Oz up now 48-45 with two weeks to go. And if that turns into a 51-42 or whatever, right. you're going you're gonna to see the panic button get hit. Um, and uh, yeah. they, they, that's when they might even just say, vote for Giselle. Um, but um, 
yeah, I, I, I just don't. You're seeing also Democratic operatives are talking to news outlets and saying, like, they feel deceived. They feel like the Fetterman campaign lied to them over this. And it's like, yeah, they, they were demanding more transparency now. And as I've said, I think if the polling starts to get away from them, he has to release his records. Um, the interesting thing is Fetterman <laughs> keeps saying he'll be better in January. Uh, he's, he's said this several times now. He says, that I'm going to get better and I'll be better in January. You see. And what was interesting is you heard the clip from my podcast. Chris Cuomo had a neurologist on and said, no, he's not. Hey, like, Chris Cuomo he had said, the most improvement is three to six months. And yeah, that's interesting. It's, it's the new Chris Cuomo is fascinating to me. Um, I'm not going to give him credit because he shouldn't be back on television after the shitty poll at CNN, but he sounds like he's trying to be more centrist. And that makes you wonder if what he was doing at CNN was just an act for Jeff Zucker. But, you know, he's flat out asked this woman, he goes, does this get better? And she sighs like she doesn't want to give this answer. And she says, it really depends. He said, the mo usually with brain injuries like this, you see the most progress in the first mm -hmm. three to six months. And she said, he's at the six-month mark now. And so beyond the six-month mark, he might be baked. Like, this is, might be what you get. And that's a, that's a clip that I might be playing if I'm a pack and just saying, he's not going to get better than this. He keeps saying it. He also can't prove it because we, don't, we haven't seen his medical records and they're not going to release them. Uh, I still kind of stand by and think that if polling starts to get away, I think that they do release them probably a week before. And they just say, here they are. And, you know, they'll still put a spin on them, but that it could show stuff about his heart. It could show stuff about the, the significance of his brain injury. And it could, and it could show that this is a permanent thing. He's not going to just magically hop out of bed. Like, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate right, Factory's I'm, I'm grandpa one day and he's suddenly going to be fine. Just before I go, so, let's you and I do a co-apology to any British people that are on this uh, call in about the Broncos game coming up. So did you, the so did Wilson you see, did you see the, cringe, the latest cringe, thing with cringe. this? They're going to, no, no, th this is, they're, they're about to commit the worst thing mm -hmm. that they've done all season. They're going to wear the white jerseys mm -hmm. with the blue, with the blue mm -hmm. stripe on the side, with the blue pants, with the but orange why? stripe. That doesn't even make sense. In London. That's what they're wearing. <laughs> because I bet, I bet it was Russell Wilson's idea. Ugh. That's what I think. And it's going to look so fucking horrible. Like. How, how, why can't you just, just make the full plain blue pants blue, with like you know? the dem, the horse logo Maybe. on them or something? Yeah. Just plain blue pants. Like, you're going to tell me the team yeah. doesn't have the money to make that or Adidas can't do that or the NFL can't uh, do it? No. Uh, They're going to have opposite stripes on the jersey I'm and the gonna, pants. And anyone who's tried I, that combination on Mad, I would have been surprised. Um, horror, horrific surprise. And then before I hang up, if you could comment on the Elon Musk. Uh, thing about hey this is why i bought twitter and I, I read that and i was like well that's not exactly this upsets a lot of this upsets people on both sides so it's probably the right thing but for me i was like Ugh. yeah he he released a statement and he said you know he understands content moderation you can't have a free-for-all hellscape advertisers um i think that what was interesting about Musk today is there are photos of him at the in-house coffee bar and all the employees are around him. And I guarantee you half of them 
only knew Elon Musk from Twitter and they thought he was just a shit poster and they hated him and he's a white supremacist. And then if you look at the photo, they're all really engaged with him. They're all paying attention to what he's saying. There are, some of them are smiling, some of their, and I bet he caught a lot of people off guard in that building where he came in and it's like, oh shit, he's actually a really smart guy who knows what he's talking about. And uh, the other interesting thing is he's bringing in Tesla engineers to look at Twitter's code to say, here, here's what's bad, here's what's wrong, here's what we don't need. Um, whether or not accounts get reinstated, I think the Babylon B does, and I don't really think much else changes. Um, I, I don't think like Laura Loomer will be back on Twitter, even though they say she will. Um, I, I think he just kind of starts over and says, from here on out, here are going to be the moderation rules. Here are going to be the banning rules. And oh, by the way, we're lifting all the shadow banning. Uh, let's bring up Stephen, who I know I had to cut off last uh, on Wednesday night or whatever. So sorry about that, Stephen, but go ahead. And to talk about the Fetterman debate is my guess is he probably skips the debate if that uh, Dasha Burns interview never aired its way to Twitter and made its way to the internet? Uh, he already agreed to it, and I think that you may or may not be right, but I think that he had no choice. And I, I would agree that the, the fallout from the Dasha Burns interview probably heightened that and said, now you really have to show up. Uh, but they had already agreed to it prior to that interview, and I think that I think what really actually happened is they brought in Dasha Burns thinking here's a young, you know, petite, happy, jolly kind of reporter and she's NBC and she's going to give us she's just going to give us an interview to show that John is okay. And it turns out he's not okay. And no amount of captioning service is going to hide that anymore. No, you can blame it on the captioning service, which I still think is the funniest thing that came out after our rapid response like, how do you do that? This is this next or whatever is a neutral company. They came in because you requested them. Okay. And Oz agreed to it. And if I was Oz, I never would have agreed to it, but whatever Oz knew it was the only way to get them on the debate stage. So uh, they agreed to Fetterman's demands that one, he, he be allowed to use captioning Two, he gets two practice sessions. Like what? And as it turns out, this lazy, fat, giant fuck doesn't use – he uses one practice session. He was given the opportunity to do both, and that should tell you a lot about him. Uh, this is a guy who never showed up for work when he was mayor. This is a guy who you know has just been a lazy ass his whole life, never really had a job, and now he's had a stroke. He he's, has this health impairment. And everyone around him is giving him the opportunity. His Senate opponent is saying, sure, fine, just use captioning. If that's what you need, I'm a doctor. I understand. Just let him have it. No matter how many people around Oz were like, no, fuck this guy. This, this is the balance of the Senate. If he can't get up there and do this on his own, then fuck him. And Oz was probably like, "He's not. then we're not going to get any debates. So they agree to it. And then so they be happy to help you, Mr. Fetterman. Whatever we can do, they set up the monitors, and he does only one walkthrough. He had the chance to do two. He, his campaign asked for two. He only did one. And that one, to me, is really striking because that, to me, shows you who this guy is. It's like, no, if you were really serious about this and if you were really serious about maybe trying to get better or um, 
really serious that you're going to push through this, then you use two. You, then you maybe ask for a third. And he didn't. They only used one. So the idea that this campaign throws the captioning service under the bus by saying Fetterman uh, was – he was hindered by sloppy captioning, riddled with errors and spelling – and whatever, and both the debate moderator and the company came out and said, this is untrue. Like these captioners are professionals. And someone left a great comment that I'll read on my podcast. Listen, and, and when you see, there's times in the debate when you see it, where you see the words getting typed. And I'm reading it, and I'm like, I don't see any errors. And I've watched this debate now four or five times. Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm going to have a fucking stroke. And. The idea that his campaign just came out and threw the captioning service under the bus, a captioning service they demanded he be able to use. Oh, man. I, that's kind of – And now I'm just like, fuck this guy. Like, blow, blow yeah, him away. Just like, pardon the shotgun. Um, just like, nuke him. Completely nuke this guy because this is not just – poor, helpless John Fetterman. This is a campaign that's like posting viral shit memes and, and whatever. And then as soon as you hit back on him, how dare you? I have a stroke. And then he throws like Molly John fast in front of him to take the ammo. Um, and so I, I was kind of sympathetic for it. I was sad, whatever. And then when they went after the captioning service, I'm like, nah, nuke him. That's it. Like whatever. But um, yeah, I, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I'm still kind of speechless uh, over that. I think, I think them. I mean, their their campaign is just careening, um, just like you know, it's crashing and falling, um, at like a record pace. But uh, I think them calling out the uh, captioning service is just more of a like makes more light of his condition. Like it's you know, if you can't follow it in the debate, how are you going to follow it in the Senate? You know, there was Correct. that. Um, That's there exactly was that right. Time whenever it's... they. Uh, I forget what bill it was, but they, I'm pretty sure there was like a debate on the floor for like 20 hours or something. Um, it might've been the, uh, the climate change, not the, not the inflation reduction act, but a different one. Um, but they were, they were literally in the Senate room for 24 hours. Cause, uh, McCarthy or not McCarthy. I, I forget who someone was speaking forever, but, um, it just makes more just like makes his condition more well known. Um, there was one other thing I wanted to comment. Uh, you made note of this on Twitter. I think you just retweeted Zed Jelani on it. Um, he was talking about Warnock, and he released an ad saying that he didn't want to go to a runoff. And my comment was maybe uh, Sahil Kapur of NBC could um, finally figure out about the evictions from Warnock's church if it went to a runoff. Um, I don't know if it's going to get to a runoff by two in real clear politics. And I mean, it's possible, but um, I, I, I think that that race one, I don't think we're going to know Pennsylvania on election night. We already see the secretary of state. Who's a Democrat looking like they're going to late. They're already going to get into some shenanigans where they're saying we're not going to be right. And if we had an honest media, they would go, why not? Florida can do it. Georgia can probably do it. So why aren't you going to be able to do this? And you're also not seeing it in Nevada where they're just hand counting ballots and election election workers have seen. And so did AP reporters see three times they miscounted ballots because they're counting them by hand. We're not going to know Nevada for two weeks and we might not know Pennsylvania for a while. 
um, which is the the one race now everyone's going to be watching, and you're not. We're going to go to bed on election night. And we're not going to know the result. Um, so, I mean, I don't. I don't think the indication saying we're not going to be able to count the votes is indication of shenanigans or fraud outright. But when it's a Democrat Secretary of State who just watched that debate and she's sitting there going, "Oh fuck," the fact that she came out and said that today post debate um, is not good, and it's it's only going to raise more questions. So yeah, so I I live in PA. I'm not really thrilled about all that stuff. I think it's ridiculous that a state like Florida and Georgia can have all of their election stuff done with like 95 percent of it done with in literally. Like the next day, next morning, you wake up, have the result. Um, and uh, there was one other thing I was going to say. Um, I think about Don McNeil. Uh, you made note about his um, firing at the New York Times. I'm pretty sure after he got fired, um, he made a really good uh, post. I think it was to Medium. It was about COVID and some of like the origin stuff. Like it talked. Yeah, about his whole. His whole career was spent like studying the, the Ebola outbreak. Uh, he was dispatched to South America to study viruses. He was familiar with gain of function. He studied the bird flu. I mean, this guy is probably the most educated journalist in the entire field. And the New York Times fired him over a social justice moment from like three years ago. Yeah, I just remember reading it. It was like a 40 minute read, but um, it was it was really good. It mentioned about the fear and cleavage site it mentioned that in 2018, there was like a security cable from our government about like lax protection over at the Wuhan Institute and stuff. But yeah, I just thought, um, so I wanted to mention that about Don McNeil, but that's really all I have to say. And I'll pass on to the next person. Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Yeah, it was also today came out. Senate Republicans put together a pretty extensive report basically saying flat out that this was a, this was a lab leak virus. Um, and there were no Democrats on board with it. And I think that this is one, again, if you have an honest media, you flat out ask Joe Biden, do you believe this was a lab leak? Yes or no? Or do you believe, what do you think is the origin of it based on everything you've read? And he's not going to give up intelligence, but you just say, what's your opinion on this? Was, do you think this was a lab leak? The Republicans have basically come out and all but said that it is. So what, sir, what is your assessment of it? And just to watch Joe Biden's eyeball fall out of his head trying to answer that. Um, Stephen brought up an interesting thing again about the captioning service. And I made this note on Twitter, which was if that was if that was the best he could do or if that's the captioning service that Fetterman demanded, his campaign said he, he needs to use this. It's never been done in, in any debate. It's basically helping a candidate, but everyone agreed to it. And then they went after the captioning service. And I'm like, if the captioning service was that riddled with errors and that's the reason Fetterman was so bad in that debate. How are we supposed to trust the captioning service in the U.S. Senate? Or how, are, how is this even supposed to work? No one has even asked this question. When he's elected, how is, it, how is he supposed to use a captioning service? Is it going to be like Legends of the Fall? It's just going to be an iPad draped around his neck and he just scribbles something? Vote nay! Or whatever. Like, what is how, – how is this supposed to work? And no one is asking that question. He can't have monitors, you know, in the Senate. Are, are we supposed to retrofit the entire Congress with captioning monitors in front of the Senate podium or in Senate committee meetings or witness testimony? Nobody is asking these questions, and there's a reason why, because it's not going to work. Uh, I, I moved Cody up just because I'm looking at kind of newer people. Jacqueline's there, Zach's there, Sheila's back. 
Um, and so I just kind of want to get some new people in as much as possible. Cody, go ahead. I... Hey, Steve. Uh, real quick, just a couple things. Uh, regarding the debate, are we just glossing over the fact that Fetterman, who's supposed to be the progressive candidate, lefty, is, I, I mean, I know he's lying, but he's for fracking now, and, like, no one says anything about that? He's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's, well, one, it's Pennsylvania, so he knows he has to say that, even though he there's plenty of it. He's on tape going, I'm always against it. The other one I think that's interesting no one's talking about is he came out against court packing. And that, this this to me shows you why, and, and Oz kind of blew him away on this one, shotgun, um, with, by saying, but you're, you want to get rid of the filibuster. And Fetterman's like, I do. And Oz was like, well, that's going to open the door for court packing. And Fetterman just like went, Gah! and couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, he couldn't process that. He couldn't, that's the whole thing. It's not that he was slow. It's, it's that he could not process what was being said to him. He could only read off a monitor, which led to that hilarious, you want to cut social security at the end of the opening and <laughs> the closing statement. And, I thought that was interesting that no one is talking about that, that he he came out and he goes, I'm against court packing. I, I don't agree with the makeup of the court. He said breakup of the court. Um, and he said, but I also understand, like, because the GOP wanted to change the rules in the Pennsylvania SCOTUS, I didn't agree with that either. So he said, basically said, I think it's important to be consistent. And no one, not Milheiser, not Vox, not. No progressive columnist or activist is coming out going, that's disqualifying. Like, we need to pack the court, like, whatever. And I think that that's really interesting in the sense of what David Sirota said. David Sirota said, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, all he is, is all he has to do is go and do it and vote, right? He just has to give a yay or a nay, and that's all. And then he can go back to his cave or whatever. And that's that's the truth of it. That's exactly what they think, except there's no evidence he can even vote yay or nay. Um, as I played on my podcast, the perfect example of that was the Social Security answer, where he said, we need to make sure that Republicans believe that they want to cut Social Security. And like right there, he's misstating a position. So how do we even know, even if someone walks up to him and says, you need to vote yay on this, he doesn't know what that means. He has no idea. What, so does he just go, does Chuck Schumer go up and say, say yay. And <laughs> Fetterman doesn't know what that means. Or he doesn't. He goes, say nay or whatever. So again, that's the whole, nobody's talking about this. But I do think, like you said about fracking, it was interesting that he came out pretty thoroughly. You could understand what he said against court packing. And no progressives are like, oh shit, like, Whatever. And I, I think it's possibly it's probably because they know, oh, well, he'll vote to get rid of the filibuster. Right. Yeah. It's like if you're from Pennsylvania, is is Fetterman Chuck Schumer's senator just to, you know, prod around as he seems or is he your senator? Like, like if you're just going to be a rubber stamp, he's Chuck Schumer's toy at that point. Like he's not representing people from Pennsylvania. Right. right. Um, that's the, the other idea. thing I had quick. Yeah. The other thing I had quick was because I'm a New Yorker. I don't know, and I'm not like a, you know, expert on this, but I have no idea what Democrats' strategy as far as advertising goes. Like, I'm watching just random, like, YouTube videos, and I see some ads for Democrats, and I've seen, like, three. A couple of them for Chuck Schumer, who is pretty safe. One where he's trying to teach me Yiddish words, and the other he's consoling some woman who's crying. And then the other ad I see is... (laughs) 
It's every every woman in New York right now, by the way. (laughs) And then the other ad I see is the even weirder. It's like six seconds long. It's not. It's like a Vine video. And all it says is stop the fear mongering. Bail reform works or like something along those lines. And there's no argument. It's just that's what it is. And it's over. And I have no idea who that ad is trying to like speak for or convince. But I have no idea what they're doing. It seems like they're trying to lose. But I don't know. I see. I made this they comment. know. I mean, the thing is, is they know they're not. They're in no good position. That's what. That's what their their strategy is to play defense and know that they're going to get the shit kicked out of them. They they know that no matter what Nancy Pelosi goes out and says, no matter what spin they put on it, uh, they know Nancy Pelosi knows her career's over in two weeks. They're going to lose the House, the Senate. Eh. Um, I'm starting to look at and say it looks like they're going to lose the Senate now also. Um, and so they they know that they have to kind of go out and put the best face possible on this um, and just say, well, what's your plan for inflation and what's your plan? And you're, you want to implement the handmaid's tale. The problem is nobody's really buying that because you've been saying it for years. So it's this is I mean, this to me is just standard politics in the sense of um this is this is the team. This is the team's turn, and, and it happens every midterms where there's an opposing president. Usually, they lose the midterms. Um, I, I don't think I've seen in my lifetime a president hold their party holds the midterms. I might be wrong on that. Maybe Bush in two thousand and two maybe held or whatever what election that was. Um, and I think I've said that before, but the, it's they just know they're going to get the shit kicked out of them, and they have to try and put on a good face. And they know they can't. Yeah. And then one last thing, and then I'll go. Uh, the governor race, Hochul and Zeldin, I was talking to some people. And I have no idea. I don't really know anything about Zeldin. I, like, people have talked about him. Obviously, I see the signs where I am. And I don't know a lot about the guy. He could suck. Like, I really have no faith in these people. But Hochul deserves to lose more than anything. And when I saw like the polls were somewhat close, I I perked up and I'm like, oh, this is going to get people to actually like if they smell blood in the water and people who like me, who normally just say that's ah, going to be a Democrat. Andrew Cuomo is going to be governor for life. If they see that it's close and it's not a wasted vote, I could see a lot of people that wouldn't normally care to vote for governor actually go out and actually vote against her. Um, I. I think Halkel pulls it out. I think she pulls it out slim, but again, I don't know. Uh, I do know that Zeldin is uncomfortably close in that race for them. And I've said there are two races to me that if if they go a certain way that night, you're going to know it's, it's just going to be a fucking bloodbath. And one is the New York governor's race. And to me, the other one is the Michigan governor's race. If Gretchen Whitmer goes down, it's going to be because of her pandemic stuff. And it's it's remember, Gretchen Whitmer was like held up as kind of an Andrew Cuomo. She was the next popular governor uh, who was like, you know, nurse strict lockdown nurse ratchet. And I think her saying we only kept schools closed for three months, that might do her in. Uh, That might be the one where a lot of pissed off parents in Michigan go, oh, fuck this lady. Like I I was maybe I don't want to I don't want to bring in a new governor. I want to just keep her there, whatever. And they might have just gone, nope, fucker, like, that's it. Um, and so the two, the two races that I'm looking at where you think Whitmer would win and you think that Halkel would win, if 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 Whitmer goes down and if Halkel goes down, 
I'm just going to be like, I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to go, this is, this is going to be a red wedding. This is going to be a fucking bloodbath all across the country in ways that our media cannot comprehend. And again, Zeldin, and I said that I watched some of that debate. And again, I, I think Zeldin held his own and Halkel fucked up a couple of times again. When Halkel said, yeah, I would, of course, re, I would re-implement vaccine mandates and I would re-implement mask mandates right there. That gets people in New York outside of New York City in Park Slope, Brooklyn, to just go, yeah, we're not doing this, lady. We're not doing this ever again. And I, I think that the Democratic Party and especially our media are still underestimating that while Biden beat Trump, we were still kind of in the middle. We were kind of on that tail end of the real pandemic. And then, of course, Trump caught COVID. And I, when Trump caught COVID, I thought this is over. Uh, Biden wins. But then Biden said, I'm going to shut down the virus. So people, I think, expected that Biden comes in. He has two, he has vaccines. Things are going to get on track again. Well, they didn't. Um, Biden started using the vaccine. He started using the pandemic to advance policy. And he started using masking to get out of controversies. And it turned out that they had to reclose schools and they didn't know what they were doing. And then we find out that the teachers unions are writing policy with the CDC. And I think our media and I think especially the Democratic Party are underestimating that this is the first election where we can hold those people who did this accountable. And whether that's Whitmer in Michigan, and obviously it's not Cuomo in New York, uh, but Halkel kind of is the stand in for Cuomo. Um, and so that on election night, those are going to be two races I'm watching. And even if like to me, if Whitmer loses, it's going to be a wake up call. And again, I, I, I think parents and just normal people have not let go of that absolute rage of the people that did strict lockdown stuff. And they were made celebrities. Whitmer was made a celebrity uh, by Stephen Colbert and by our media. And I think that this is that opportunity to say, nope, you're gone. And this is that one opportunity. This is the first election since that all happened for a lot of people. And I, I don't think our media and that party understands exactly how much rage people have been holding on to for how long. All right. That's all I got. Thanks, Stephen. Go Bills. <laughs> Thanks, Cody. Uh, I'm going to bump Matt up. New caller. And We'll end it at Jay, but uh, Matt, go ahead. Welcome, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to call in. Uh, go ahead. Hey, uh, good night, Stephen. <laughs> Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Uh, hi, Matt. Yeah, cool. Good night. Long time, long time listener, first time caller. I've been, I think I've been a suburb for about a year now. This is my first time calling in, though. Really, really like all the content you put out. But uh, anyway, haven't heard much about the Fetterman debate yet, so I thought I'd chime in on that. One comment that he made kind of earlier on, I think it was in his opening statement that really no one's talking about, but it kind of stuck in my craw, probably mostly because of like, it was actually like coherent. It was a regular, like put together sentence, but he said something like, yeah, I had a stroke. He's never let me forget it. And that really kind of stuck with me because like, basically for this entire campaign, I think Oz has done a very good job handling all that, not really bringing it up at all beyond like, 
hey, maybe you should release your medical records so we can know get going like what's going on with you. He has not been mean or like combative about it at all. Like it's particularly as a Trump candidate who you would expect to kind of have that kind of like, you know, more combative <laughs> can, attitude can about something imagine, like that. Can, can you and so to hear him say like, man, yeah, he's been he's he's never let me forget it. He's been bullying me about it like that. Can I you can like, you imagine? really was just like, are you kidding me, man? Yeah, he's. There was one instance where the where the staffer said maybe a Fetterman had ever eaten a vegetable in his life he wouldn't have had a stroke. That, that, that's the, and then they apologize. They kind of yeah they apologized for it and and then Oz even distanced himself from it. He said it, when Dasha Burns interviewed Oz and she said do you agree with that as a doctor and he goes no I don't agree with that whatever and you're right it, it, I, Fetterman's social media campaign has just been doing the stupidest kind of memes on Oz making fun of him oh your houses are here they're doing memes on him they're doing all this shit. And they make one comment that Fetterman should eat more broccoli, and suddenly Oz is a bully. And that, that to me is so fucking cynical. Like, you're right. He made it seem like he never, I had a stroke, and he's never let me forget it. And it's like, what? You're the victim now? Like, have you, your whole campaign was your Twitter feed, dude. And now you're just the poor, the poor retarded giant, you know, that, you know, the, oh, it's okay. Um, I was what I was just saying while you saying that. Can you absolutely imagine Donald Trump running against John Fetterman? Hundred percent, and that's kind of what I bring up with like the Trumpian <laughs> candidate. Like you would expect, like God, someone who's going like, to have some fun with it. Maybe not mean spirited, oh. but like get some you, digs. Oh, Trump hasn't done Trump any of that. Just, and like, especially like, in the debate, like you were, you've mentioned it on Colin in your podcast. Like he really just debated him like he was a real candidate. He yeah, treated he him like a real person. Yep, like he debated he, him like he was a normal guy with no handicaps, which I think was the smart thing to do. Um, you know, if if Oz caves to him and says, "Go ahead, I'll give you a second, then he looks weak. And if Oz overdoes it and goes, "You got a stutter or something, man? What are you doing? Do you need help speaking?" Yeah, or like, like maybe you should be up like, here or something that, like that. He didn't say anything. Yeah, then he comes off as, you know, bullying him, which they're calling him a bully anyway, just for simply saying, you know, John, you held a shotgun to a black man. And then he goes, you, Oz rule. Um, I'm just like, I haven't even thought of it. Could you just imagine Donald Trump running against Fetterman? Holy shit. That's what I mean. It would be like slow Fetterman <laughs> or something like that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised we haven't yeah. heard something like that. Especially oh, going against his candidate, now that you bring that up. it's And it's actually kind of funny, like, how much Trump hasn't said anything. Because Trump's appeared with Oz, and you just know. And I think Trump is supposed to appear with Oz in the final week. Well, it's like November throw, 5th or something like that. Yeah, Trump is going to pull one of those, you know, like he made fun of the New York Times reporter. And you just are like, oh, please, just just shut up. Just don't. I will, just don't. I will, I will say that's that. Ab, that made my stomach sink after what was that? I don't know if that was the night after the debate or the night of. It was like I was feeling good. I was like, okay, he like Fetterman clearly like showed his own ass. I didn't have to like poke at him for it. And then I see the headline like Donald Trump to appear with Doctor Oz and Mastriano. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> Trump is going to show up and be like, just so you know, Fetterman is the name of the doctor, not the monster. Right, like, do you want a guy who's got a stroke or who can cure a stroke? (laughs) Did you see that debate performance? And that's like when Oz's people tackle Trump off the stage. Yeah, I can just hear him, like, putting his head down in his hand. Yeah, you just know. It's just like, oh, fuck. He's going to speak with Trump. And he's like, well, how about that debate? And you're, oh, God, here we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It, It would be bad.
Yeah. Anyway, that's enough about Fetterman. But like you mentioned Whitmer, I'm I live in Michigan and like, you know, even up to two weeks ago, like me and my family were all Republicans. And like I talked to Republicans in the state and it was very much like, okay, you know, we're all going to vote for Dixon. She's not a great candidate, but, you know, she's probably not going to win. Those polls have been really tightening up in the last, I don't know if it's like week or two, but it really seems like we might have a shot. And you bring up people being sick of her COVID restrictions. Like, and that comment she made at the debate two nights ago was really, I think, important because I think a lot of people, even though they weren't a fan of the lockdowns, a lot of people were like sympathetic to the situation she was in. It was like, okay, we were, you know, it's a brand new situation. She did what she thought was like, in the best interest of the people in the state to keep people safe. And then she makes that comment like, oh, it was only three weeks. I don't know what you're complaining about. I think you're right. I think that will really stick in a lot of parents' minds who are like, what are you talking about? I've been helping my kid through remote school for, you know, over a year. And, you know, we're kind of just getting back into schools, like, even recently. So, like, I, that, that is not a race I ever would have thought would, would have been close. But I, I think that could be a surprising one to watch. Yeah, and like I said, her comment on that just rocket. I saw people who aren't even generally political getting retweeted and talking about it and being like, this is just a flat-out lie. She's not checked on it. Like, again, this is something where journalists are probably like, this is a fucking I had to help my kid through, you know, six, seven months of schools being dead. And then they closed them again. And, she, I mean, that's her whole thing. She's Her whole reputation was just she was like the lockdown queen. And she was she was turned into another media star, sort of like hello behind her, and Stephen Colbert just all laughed or whatever. Yeah, they they gave her a nickname, Big Gretch, that everyone blasted out on Instagram. There was talk of her possibly being a VP candidate, and yep. like I mean, if and I think it's a real possibility. I think that there's a possibility. There was a there was one poll that showed Dixon was like within one. And if that if that happens, just the whole fucking night is going to be a night. Yeah, like freaking uh, real quick politics projection. She's up like like they have her winning. I was like, what? Am I looking at the right thing? Which I know that's, you know, probably a little right leaning. But like even seeing I mean, the thing with real quick politics is it's it's, it averages every poll. It takes into consideration the major polling companies. And And I think they adjust it a little bit. they're They're flawed because of those polls could be flawed. But then it averages out and says, right here is the average that says Tudor Dixon's within one or whatever. And so that's generally because they do that. That's why it's taken so seriously. It's not just, <coughs> excuse me, it's not like Rasmussen or one of these polls that could be written off. It takes the total average of these kind of major polling companies and says, this is where it is. And this means that the race is going to probably be within one to three of that range. Yeah, hoping so. Uh, I'll be voting for her, but uh, all right, I'm going to hop off. Thanks, Stephen. Go Wayne. Go Wayne. <laughs> yeah, you have a few years left. Let's not get too cocky here. About that, guys. I just wanted to get some new callers up. Jacqueline, how are you? Go ahead. I'm no good. I just wanted to, um, real quick, just ask you your quick thoughts on. Um, the, uh, what was it? Uh, well, one is going to be the whole thing about, uh, uh, what, what was I just looking at? Um, oh, 
What are your thoughts on McRib sandwiches? And what are your thoughts on um, Oh, and I know you have issues with the SUV killing a bunch of people. Yeah. The the SUV the SUV in Michigan or in Wisconsin that ran over a bunch of people in Waukesha was convicted today. This SUV yeah. had several uh, outbursts in court. Uh, the SUV decided it wanted to represent itself, and therefore it was just kind of a big shit show to where it looked like the SUV was trying to get a mistrial, and it, the judge wouldn't allow it. The judge had several arguments back and forth with this SUV, and... It turns out the SUV was convicted, and someone had noted, I think it was um, Krakauer, who's Megan Kelly's producer, that CNN in the past six months had only mentioned this SUV twice throughout the whole trial, where we saw this SUV blowing up daily on social media. Yeah, and the last thing was just, I don't know what you think about school buses, especially yellow school buses, but... I just want to get to your thoughts on those, and then other than that, you can move on to the next caller. Yeah. Kamala was talking about school buses and how great they are, especially yellow school buses and how the wheels go around. And I I instantly thought, okay, Fetterman can serve. He's competent because if this woman is vice president who could end up being president, um, then, yeah. Remember, this was the school bus that Joe Biden put her on and bust her and where she she was that little girl, that little girl was me. And she's now talking about electric school buses. And these gas powered school buses are the reason why kids have trouble learning. And I thought that was funny because I never really rode a bus in school. I did a couple of times and you definitely get like that Simpsons auto exhaust smell or whatever. But that's one of those where, again, a, a reporter would go, what do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean kids have now? Are you saying like. School bus exhaust causes autism now? Like, what What are you talking about? And, of course, they just let her off the hook and whatever. Um, I don't know. That's who she is. <laughs> like, that's, that's one of the other reasons they're pushing Fetterman, because he makes Joe Biden look coherent. And that's just what they should do. Every photo, if Fetterman wins, they just need to, like, put – they need to just promote Fetterman to, like, Secretary of Defense right off the bat. And so put him alongside Biden every time. So Biden seems like articulate and sane and there. Yeah, so if I have to ride a school bus, I'm totally fine with that. To go to work, to go to school, I'm, or my daughter to go to school, totally fine riding school buses. But if I can't have someone that has a cognitive like ability to make a coherent statement then I won't ride school buses and if that's what they want to tell me they can tell me that but my daughter is 10 years old and if she can't ride a school bus because Kamala is telling me that she can't then she needs to figure out a way that it, the nostalgia meant something to her even though Joe Biden segregated her from everyone else she needs to explain that to me but that's up to him and so you can go ahead to the next caller but i just wanted to make sure that you i you knew that i understood that uh school buses are good 
and everything is going swimmingly, according to the school bus, especially yellow school buses. Yeah, they do have to be yellow. Here. All right, make sure I hit the right button for Sheila. I don't want to let her down. Go Sheila, Connor, and Jay. Uh, Jay will be the last one. So if uh, if you see you getting dropped from the queue, it's because I'm manually dropping you from the queue so we can all go and enjoy our nights. Sheila, go ahead. Can't hear you, so I'm wondering if this could be a new glitch. Great. I'm going to have to yell at Charlie. Sheila, your mute button is off, but we can't hear you. Okay. Sheila, I'm going to move on. Try to get uh, maybe jump back in the queue. This is probably just a call-in glitch. So let's see. Yeah, it's it's glitching up on my end. Like I heard you start to say something, and then it cut out like a cell phone getting bad reception. Okay, so. I will. I'll I'll yell at Colin. I do this like once a, once an episode anyway. So okay, uh, but, but now, I can't I can't I can't hear you. I just I saw Sheila's mute button was off, but I'm not getting the uh, someone is speaking thing. So I'll let them know. Yeah, I can hear you now. It just, oh, when when, uh, when I tried to connect, it just went off. And I think it's because both you and the people who make this app are ableist. <laughs> you know that I'm definitely ableist. Something that Jacqueline was alluding to, and this is this is what I like seeing, and I think Christina Pershaw from Team DeSantis was saying this, and this is this to me is the way you push back on it, which is it's like saying that Stevie Wonder, you can't be a musician or you can't be a writer or you can't, you know, do things like that. That's not ableism. Okay. Well, that is ableism. It's not ableism to say Stevie wonder uh, can be an airline pilot <laughs> or someone who's blind or whatever, or Terry Schiavo is your Uber driver. For example, that's not ableism. That is, um, that is just how the world works. Um, it's like saying there's a reason why people in wheelchairs are not firefighters. And that to me is the way you push back. And of course they're not going to answer that. They're never going to say that. And it's the same reason why you cannot have someone with a cognitive brain disorder looking at, you know, U S national, you know, infosec stuff. It's just, um, but they, they know what they're doing is the thing. I don't think that they actually believe any of their arguments. They know how bad it was. And they're just like, holy shit, we're going to lose the Senate and, 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 and our democracy. Oh, great. Here comes the glitch. There he is. All right. Now can you hear me? Yeah, it sounds like it just takes a second to kick in. So I'll, I'll make sure they know about it. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, as for the part about people with like, brain damage, reading uh, national security stuff. Both Ted Kennedy and John McCain stayed in the Senate when they had brain cancer. And 
the way McCain acted, I think his brain was tumor, tumor ravaged for years before that. Um, it's interesting you said because McCain had a physical disability too. I mean, he was half paralyzed. And so this is what they're trying to do. They're trying to, they're trying to say, well, Tammy Duckworth has a disability. John McCain had a disability and uh, Dan Crenshaw has a disability and Tim Evans. And you just, you just want to just tilt your head and look at them like they are children and just like put them in the closet and just have them shut up because they know these are not dumb people. They know that what they're comparing with physical disabilities to somebody who cannot process words when you speak to, when you speak them at them. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the the debate was a was just a total disaster, and, and actually, uh, I felt bad for Fetterman. And at the same time, I had this just hatred of his wife because at this point, it's pretty clear that she's the one pulling the strings and pushing this. And it's like, do you not have like a conscience? Like, couldn't you take your husband home and let him recover instead of of doing this? Like. You fucking soulless harpy, Jesus Christ! <laughs> she she was asked about that, and her, and her thing that she said was that because the doctors say he's fine, and so who am I to stand in the way? And I again, that's where I'm like, yeah, she really just wants out of Braddock. She wants to go live in D.C. And uh, if you know anything about her and what she's done in the community in Braddock, Pennsylvania, she's kind of an activist and a social activist and stuff, which is all fine. I mean. Uh, I don't give, I don't care about that, but this is someone who clearly to me has bigger things in mind, whether it's for her husband or herself. Um, yeah. And, and that, like that answer, it didn't, didn't fly, didn't fly for me because I've gone to the doctor and they've told me, Oh, well, you know, this looks fine. And you know, like, uh, this is not fucking fine. Something is wrong. And I've gone with with friends that I've seen that have had problems, and I've gone to the with them to the doctor. When the doctor said, "Oh, oh, it's fine," I'm like, "No, no, motherfucker, it's not fine. Like, there's something wrong here." Um, so just that I know why she says that because the mediocre. Well, she's just following the doctor's orders, but. Also, as somebody that's been a patient and gone as like an advocate for other people, just because a doctor says that doesn't mean you're actually fine. We don't actually know what his doctor said. said. And this well, is the thing they can't get around. They cannot. I mean, if, if I'm Oz, like I just said, what's so funny is this ad I was just talking about. Um pretty much went exactly how I said they shouldn't cut an ad. They should put some lonely Hulk music in the background and then highlight his answers on fracking and just show his debate answer, which the stuttering speaks for itself. You don't need to even highlight this. Is his brain applesauce? We don't know. Um, you just have to show him doing it. And then you have to play the clips of him saying, I, I'm for banning fracking and that's it. Um, but I think you do have to cut an ad saying, 
he won't release his medical records because every journalist who's diagnosing him, we saw it at the Atlantic. We saw Kara Swisher. We saw Molly John Fast. We saw, oh, he just has aphasia. And we saw 30 articles about aphasia. We don't know what he has. We have no idea what his actual condition is because we can't look at his medical records. And so here you have a bunch of journalists who are basically armchair diagnosing him by watching him on television. We were told that this is ethically dubious. You're not supposed to do that um, because people tried it with Hillary and then people tried it with other candidates. We know that they, of course, did it with Trump walking down a ramp or whatever, and that was a whole thing. Um, but again, we don't know what we don't know what his doctors are saying. So even when she's like, if the, if the doctor says he's fine, it's like, Prove to us that the doctor says he's fine. Well, here's a note. No, that a doctor's note is not to get you out of your sick day at work is not the same thing as his medical records. And then it turns out, obviously, his doctor, which this is where I think the debate moderators let him off the hook. They said, you know, you've released a doctor's note. By the way, we know that this is a donor, just, to, just so it's in the interest of transparency. And in that doctor's note, it says, Mr. Fenneman can work without any restrictions. And they read this debate. They said that they read this note at the debate where he obviously has restrictions because he needs captioning monitors in order to even open his mouth and say words. Um, I like I don't get it. Like it, it's clear that they're that they're you know talking out uh, both sides of their of their mouth, as the saying goes. It's it's. It, it's just sad. Like I'm watching this guy, and and he's trying, but he needs to be at home, uh, you know, watching TV and just, you know, learning to process information again. And I want to respond to the comment, uh, blonde economist. Um, I guarantee you they will say that because um, when as a tax accountant, when I sign a return, I am verifying to the IRS that the return is proper and correct. So I guarantee you the accountants that sign his return are saying that, and they probably are most of the time because he has more money to pay more accountants than most people. So. I know that was like an attempted dig, but it doesn't work because we do assume legal liability when we sign a tax return. Ah, interesting. What so, else, Zach? I'll give you one more. Oh, um, I, I put an article on a Patreon uh, because I wanted you to read because I was pretty sure that it would cause you to, to have a stroke. <laughs> And, I've, um, I, I've been thinking so much about just this hell shit. I said this on my podcast where like every time like something weird moves in my body, I'm like, is that a stroke? Like that's where I'm at. I'm so over talking about this for the past four days where it's just like, huh, I have a headache. Oh God, I better take six Advil and kill the stroke. But, um, uh, essentially it was a gaming website that wrote uh, Melania from Elden Ring is proof that from software and yeah yeah I, are... I did, yeah I, I saw it I read it and they just basically said like every the problem with Elden Ring characters is that 
all the women are like damaged or broken or some shit <laughs> or physically beat up or physically altered. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like that's every character. Like my character in Elden Ring is, has teal skin. He has teal skin, a giant nose and, uh, trying to think what else I did to her. But anyway, like that's the, everyone's broken that's the whole reason you're playing the game is the world is broken yeah i yeah i read it and i i just i found they were they were trying to find grievance where there was none it so it, i mean and they they go down all the characters like the girl who you have to find her arm or or stitch her up or whatever and then uh a few others and i th- i mean i thought about it and i was like well yeah they have deformities or but yeah, you're right. It's like every character in that game has some kind of like there's a dude with a fucking dragon head on his arm. Like and he's the first guy that you play as opposed to Melania who's like the hardest fucking thing on any video game to beat ever. Like that's that's how I look at it. I'm like they took a they took like the hardest character in the wool in the in the whole game and they made it this female character with a whole lore behind her and in everything and it was kind of like huh that's how i that, i guess that's how i looked at it so i i look i there's nothing more that disinterests me more than gaming journalism i don't care like when i play video games i don't really care what other people think about them i just play them um i'll read a review or two but i like there's a whole genre of video game journalism i'm kind of like none of this interests me like at all period like i don't understand uh how people Obviously, like Gamergate and stuff like that reads so much into that stuff. It's a pastime. Like, who cares? Like, who gives a shit yeah. what anyone else like reads or says about it? Like, either you like a game or you don't, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, and um, I believe that the whole Fetterman conversation is why we should abolish the Sixteenth Amendment. I believe it's Sixteenth, the popular election of senators, and we should go back to having the state appoint them for multiple reasons and um with that i will uh i will jump off here so you can get the next caller but um it's good talking to you and um you you need to go and self-criticize uh, your ableism and do better <laughs> i'm already doing better uh thanks zach uh actually i'm gonna tight because i know she's gonna just rapid fire Connor, uh, thanks for joining. Hey, hey, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah. Two quick things because I have to go in like five minutes, but I did break down the PA mail-in ballots. Uh, first of all, Giselle Fetterman is like a real Lady Macbeth type character to me. Uh, second, we're going rapid fire. Bruce Willis had to retire from acting due to aphasia. And I feel like while there is a lot of overlap between being a senator and being an actor, it's a bit harder. Um, and now real quick, I'll get into the mail-in ballot stuff. As of, this is from penlive.com, as of yesterday, a little over 550,000 mail-in ballots have been received. Now, there's 1.21 million mail-in ballots accepted, and they have until Tuesday to apply for them. The split is about six out of every seven mail-in ballots was requested by Democrat based on data from May, where out of the 750,000, 650,000 are requested by Democrats. All right, I got to go. Just want to get that out. Thanks. Thanks for that. And sorry you had to run off. That's what the Fetterman campaign was counting on, which was even if he bombs a debate or he shows that he's 
Um, hold on. Died suddenly is trending on Twitter. Is that Fetterman? No. Okay, it's a movie. Um, they were counting on the fact that even if Fetterman came in and bombed on the debate, that they would have already enough mail-in ballots and a lead that so it wouldn't matter. And again, it's it's the most cynical thing in the world. Um, but they that's campaign strategy. They, they knew what they were doing, and it could end up working. So we'll see. Uh, Jay, go ahead. Hey, I, I, I mean, this is kind of ground we've already covered, but I'm originally from Atlanta, so I'm very familiar with Herschel and all of his problems and how that's been covered. And to see right after the Fetterman debate, New York Times side by side going, Fetterman wasn't that bad. Herschel, it's not that easy to get over mental health problems. It's just so jarring to me. How, how is attacking Herschel Walker not ableism? That's that's the only thing you have to ask these yeah. people. Um, now, now, granted, Herschel Walker may have you know a form of CTE, and he's talked about how mean, he's, he had, he's, he's talked about honest. multiple pers- <laughs> he's talked about multiple personality disorder. He's had a checkered past, which is a- when Trump handpicked him a few years ago. I mean, that's the thing. Oz and Oz and JD Vance and Herschel Walker. Uh, I, I would I would argue JD Vance doesn't really belong in that, but these are all guys who would be on Celebrity Apprentice, and Trump handpicked all of these guys. And when people, when Trump was doing this, were like, "Fuck!" Like, do you know about him? Well, he's a great football player. He's a legend in Georgia. And it's just like, okay. Um, the problem is, is that you saw you saw Herschel Walker's debate and he can answer questions. He didn't need captioning assistance. He could pivot and attack Warnock. He could do all of those things. Um, and so everyone comparing him to Fetterman to me it doesn't work because you have your eyes and your ears and you go, yeah, I mean, Walker has problems. The other thing with Walker's multiple personality disorder is the GOP could be getting 12 senators if you elect him. And so that's pretty great. That gives you a, a super, um, but again, like you said, the side by side where, again, like he said, you have the New York Times, which is like, you know, he's overcoming his stroke. And then you had Walker, which was it's not so easy how you just have to simply ask how if if you're going to compare Fetterman to Walker or Fetterman to Abbott, then how is it your attacks on Abbott and your attacks on Walker are also not ableist? It's that simple. And then they can't answer. That's the box they put themselves in. Yep, and the what the last thing I'll say before I get off, but um, Eric Erickson, who's like a political commentator, he's based in Georgia. He's been saying he kind of despises the fact that Herschel was the nominee, but he's going to vote for him anyway. And in his belief, he's not going to need a runoff based on early voting because early voting is going so bad in Georgia for Dems. So, yeah, early voting traditionally favors Democrats. Just turnout on election day favors Republicans. That's how it's been. But who knows, because of Georgia's voting law, which remember was supposed to be the second coming of Jim Crow and it's just been memory hold. Um, Stacey Abrams is still out here saying just because there's record voting doesn't mean there's not voter suppression. And she is going to be such a fucking joy to watch on election night. I want to see if she actually concedes. Like, or if she comes out and just says, once again, Brian Kemp's unfair laws, da, 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 because I have, I, I would probably take the over that, that she would, she would actually do that. And, you know, 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, they show that Walker is now ahead of Warnock by two. So if that's the way it trends, I mean, yeah, look out. And the and just the amount of meltdown that would happen if Walker wins and Shotgun Frankenstein loses is just going to be insane to watch. It's going to be insane. MSNBC will be inconsolable. Yeah, last thing, just the Chuck Schumer clip being Pennsylvania didn't hurt us that bad. Nevada's going the right way, but I can't believe Georgia's going to vote for Herschel Walker to Biden. So that was pretty much the icing on the cake, thinking he's going to win to me. So, Yeah, all of those guys know things that we don't based on their own internals. And I guarantee you, I mean, Pelosi's going to be retired. She's not going to run for another. I would, it would be crazy that she would run for another leadership term. Um, the problem is I don't know who replaces her. I mean, I guess Jayapal probably is, is lining up to be that, but Schumer's sitting there going, he could be gone too. So they're watching that. But yeah, it's, it's interesting that Schumer, that was such a moment where he didn't realize that there's like a mic or a camera, um, or he did. And he's just trying to throw the press for a loop. So, um, it's, it's going to be interesting, but George, you know, right now the eight, um, I, I think it could go 51 or even 53, depending on what happens. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Thanks, Jay. Let's bring, all right, let's bring Sheila up. Let's see if this works. Sheila, I know you're going you're gonna to take us out on a good note, so let's give this a shot again. Still not working. I'll, I'm going to give Sheila a minute here. Let's see if this kicks in. She's going to be so mad. She's not going to take this well. The good news is I can clip this dead air. So you guys just have to sit here and in deft anticipation. Maybe Sheila's reading the captioning monitor. All right. I'm going to give you 30 more seconds and then I'll go and yell at call in for you. Oh, that's new. I can force mute. Sheila, try unmuting your microphone now. Oh, I'm going to hate doing that. She's going to give me hell next time she's on. Uh, that sucks. Um, I'll make sure that I can file. I'll, I'll get on the horn to call him. Sorry about that, everyone. And obviously, apologies to Sheila. She's going to go crazy. Um, this has been episode uh, 54. Break! Fall! 
which obviously is a reference to Fetterman. Um, so once again, thanks to my callers. Just a kind of shortened thing here in the middle of the week. Thanks to my listeners. Uh, I'm going to probably try to jump on, I'm guessing, Saturday. I'm supposed to be on like a mini vacation. But as I said, I'm not someone who can just turn off my stroke-ridden brain. Um, so uh, it keeps me busy and it keeps me interested. Um, I also have a piece coming to Spectator about media companies are still just jumping all over call-in. Or I'm sorry, <laughs> TikTok, uh, even though it's kind of been personally revealed to be like a personal surveillance app. So... Uh, be on the lookout for that. Obviously, you can get me on Twitter at Red Steez. I won't be back on Patreon until Tuesday, um, but feel free if you subscribe to the podcast, which you should. Uh, you can leave comments and questions for me to get to uh, on Tuesday's podcast or when I come back next month. Uh, sorry about the technical glitches. That's just kind of comes with the territory.